listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to a new episode. This podcast, of course, a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Uh, you can check us out anywhere you get your fix, really. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Joining me, as always, after we just finished wrapping up the last two episodes of The Last Dance, Anthony Irwin. Anthony, what's going on, my man? I'm trying to figure out what we're going to be able to talk about moving forward. <laughs> I know. I know. We're going to have to start having political and, and coronavirus debates, I think, on Sundays rather than talk about Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, because they finished it up with this really cool montage of, you know, watching Michael kind of through the years and uh, watching that entire Chicago core kind of go through the years and and the fallout of uh, everything that they meant to the sport and to the world. Uh, and, and, you know, it gets you kind of hyped. And then you realize, man, what, what the hell do we do next? <laughs> what, what's going on? I watched well, we golf about today. Like I watched, I watched like some crappy charity tournament between four guys who had zero personality between them. Uh, oh, just because I missed live sports so much. <laughs> I know. I was going to say that because last week, or a couple of weeks ago when we did the, the previous podcast, you mentioned that too. You're like, it was just nice at home watching someone do sports and people tweeting about it, in, and it just felt normal again. And so for the last five weeks, basically, we, we've had that on Sundays. And I, I don't know what we're talking about come time for next week. Although I guess they are saying that like baseball might be looking at, at starting up by July, right? Is that the latest that you've heard too? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of contention here between the owners and the players, right? So... Um, I, I think I, I really understand with the player. I'm always pro player in situations like this, but basically the owners who like they just came to an agreement uh, like a year ago, basically, uh, where they agreed to a new CBA. And um, obviously baseball has a much stronger players union than than the other sports. So the owners kind of take it on the nose a little bit more often than um than in other sports but you know in this case you have a bunch of owners saying all right enough is enough and and you know giving the appearance of trying to negotiate amid a pandemic and you know if the players just kind of shut up and said no we're just we don't feel safe we 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 you know and we definitely don't feel safe going out there and playing for less money um it would be it would be fine but then you had the one pitcher kind of run his mouth a little bit and and say things in a pr- pretty uh, tone-deaf manner, and, and and there you have it. But, but yeah, I mean, baseball, they put their plan forward. Uh, I don't know if the NBP or the uh, MLBPA is uh, going to, you know, agree to it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you're seeing a lot of pro- progress across sports. And, and, you know, at a time where the MJ doc is, is going away, it's kind of nice to see some of that progress. Yeah, and and you know I think we're we're getting closer to a resolution with it all because I know even for the NHL, uh, the NHL is looking at a bunch of different cities, and I'm from Vancouver, and they're looking at Vancouver as well as as a potential place. But you know, with all, a bunch of states starting to reopen a little bit, I, I think we're going to probably get a better answer within about two weeks. You know, once mm-hmm. we start seeing what's happening with the cases, and then I think the sports league because Adam Silver's been steadfast, and he's like, we don't have to make a decision in May, right? I think they're looking at at, at looking at June, and if they get into June, July. Um, and maybe starting the season. Although, I don't know. I mean, do you are you at the point where you're just like, screw it, I just want sports back in my life. Like, that's it? You don't care about them not being fans and how weird it'll be and any of that stuff? 
Uh, not really. I mean, I like it's not. I don't. I don't look at it like I. I need sports. You know, um, these are still human beings. Like, uh, my. You know, I, I've I've heard a few times that you know athletes as entertainers kind of owe it to people to go back out there and and distract us from from the grim reality that we're all kind of living in. And and I would kind of push back against that, right? And I would say, well. They're also human beings, and they also have families, and they also know people who are at risk. There are plenty of NBA coaches who are literally in that group of people who are most at risk. So, you know, let's pump the brakes on what they owe us, per se. But, you know, I, I, I will say that uh, I, I just from a business standpoint, and I have to admit my biases here, too, as somebody who makes a living off of sports, sure it would be nice to have sports back. Uh, but, but you know, uh, I, I think generally, uh, so long as they do it safe, so long as the players are comfortable with it, and so long as leagues allow those players who are not comfortable with it to admit as such and then not be punished, you know, publicly or even financially for their decision, I, I, I think in that case, then, yeah, I, I you know, it'd be nice to get these guys back out there and and as long as everybody's on the same page which it, it sounds like the NBA has been much better than uh, major league baseball at at getting everybody on the same page everybody's kind of working with Adam Silver you aren't seeing the public negotiation between owners and players uh, that you've seen uh, in in baseball so yeah I, I I'm I've reached a point where if it's safe and everybody's comfortable with it let's let's get this ball rolling yeah, uh, and I'm with you too. I mean, if they have to do it somewhere in a, in a, in a, you know, c- confined like one city or two cities, however that is, they they want to do it. Um, you know, I do think it's it's if that's the way to do it. And I, I want them to finish up the season. I mean, even from a Lakers perspective, it's like okay, this team sitting number one in the West. Yeah. Um, LeBron, you know, LeBron and and uh, and Anthony Davis are, are were killing it. You know, before before we got to this, but uh, um, if they do come back and and and. I don't. It's just going to be weird. I mean, I, I've also read that they're talking about maybe going into it like the NHL is looking at 24 teams and just having a playoff and eliminating the last six and kind of having like a condensed end of the regular season and going into the playoffs. Whereas with the NBA, what do you think that they'll? What do you think they'll 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 go with? Like, do you think they'll actually finish out the last 15, 16 games for each team, or is it going to be let's just jump straight into the playoffs and get going with that? I think it's kind of important that that they play a couple, a few regular season games before they get into the playoffs, right? Uh, you know, nobody at the when when the league went on its hiatus, uh, those teams weren't that are at the bottom of the playoff race. Uh, I'm sure they would like a few games to you know actually have more of a playoff race. Uh, so you have that, and then obviously we have to mention the uh, regional. Sports contracts, which, like, fortunately for the Lakers, Spectrum has already kind of come out and said that even if the Lakers don't meet their 70-game requirement, they're still going to, uh, you know, meet the the contract requirements or, or yeah. the deal that that was pr- previously proposed. So it's good to see the the business side of things run as smooth mo- run as smoothly as as they are there. Um, but but like from a from a literal safety standpoint, uh, you know, I going from having multiple months off where some players haven't been able to work out uh, and, and definitely, you know, in general and, and definitely not to the extent that they would normally be working out coming, heading into the playoffs. I, I do think just getting their legs underneath them for playoff basketball would be really important because 
one thing, you know, coronavirus is obviously at the forefront of everybody's minds. But if you rush guys back into playoff competition, you risk other injuries. Uh, and that would just be, you know, that would that would really suck uh, in an already tough season. Yeah. And I, I think that's what it's going to be weird, though, man. I mean, the 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 way they'd finish it off and the way they'd. Um, do it like I, I. I don't know if the you think the Lakers will be at an advantage or disadvantage coming back like this because I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay. I, again, I thought the Lakers might start slow this year when they're figuring out their chemistry because they had so many moving parts, but they didn't. I mean, they just came up and <laughs> dominated right from the start. Um, but I wonder if there's gonna be an advantage for maybe younger teams um, to get out, you know, get out the gate faster. Maybe the older older squads might have a harder time kind of coming back from this long a layoff and then going through a mini camp and then getting back into it. But do you think, do you think the Lakers would be at any disadvantage or advantage coming back? Or are you just like, Hey, whatever. It's like, this is so brand new that we don't know what the hell is going to happen. Mostly the last one. Oh, okay. <laughs> like that's basically, that's basically, you know, and, and I'm sure you get this too, where you go out and you hang out with people or you, you talk to family or, or friends or whatever. And, you know, they'll text you or ask you, so what's the deal? When, when are sports coming back? And, you know, they think that because we work in sports, we have a better answer other than I don't freaking know. I have no idea. If I knew, <laughs> I'd be making a lot more money than, than, I'm, than I'm currently making. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I do think, though, for the Lakers specifically, I do think they have a bit of a, an advantage here. Uh, they are closer than really any other team almost in my lifetime you know, from a chemistry standpoint. And uh, I think, you know, that cohesion, that chemistry, I think will really serve them well here. Uh, you know, because when you, when, you, when you limit the sample size, the way that, you know, the season is going to be limited, uh, those, those kind of intangible, intangible uh, things, you know, uh, effects on a season, they, they loom larger. And so the Lakers being as close as they were, and and having had the rhythm that they had, uh, I, I think that'll really serve them well. And and you know to kind of compare it to a team across the hallway in the Clippers, um, they didn't quite have that, and they were finally kind of hitting their stride this year, or, or at the end of of or before we went on hiatus. And you know now they kind of have to restart that whole process all over again. The Lakers had been kind of steady in how close they were, how well they were playing. And uh, I, I do think that the the Lakers will, you know, they'll. I don't know how big an advantage it'll be, but it, it'll definitely be the, the kind of thing that you notice. I, I would imagine. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that it's the, the continuity of it. I mean, it's it just it, everything is so weird. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I like. Yeah. I, I'm I'm stuck in this weird place, and we we'll talk about the the last dance too, where. Um, I just want to get back to normalcy, and I understand I'm not going to do it, uh, you know, at the risk of anybody's health. You know, that's my entertainment is not that not that important, right? Let's be honest about that. But um, I, I think it's going to happen with the teams that are like, I mean, because let's be honest, the, the Eastern Conference is pretty much all set, right? Like the teams are in terms of the playoffs, you're not going to get too much of a, of a difference there. But in the West, I, I think, like you're saying with the Clippers, they were coming into their own. I think they're going to struggle a bit coming out of the gate, and they might drop down the standings. Um, whereas teams like the, the Raptors who have, who have been together in the, in the East and, and the Bucks will, they, they played together enough. I don't think it's going to affect them as much. So I do think with the Lakers and just having friggin' LeBron James on your team, you know, they're going to be pretty damn, pretty damn good. You know what I mean? So I don't in think a, in a focused and driven LeBron James. Like, oh yeah. Like he's, you he's know. not messing around. Right. You know what I mean? So right. I think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be interesting. Let's jump back into, uh, the, the last dance. We'll do that after the short break. 
All right, so The Last Dance is officially wrapped up now, all 10 episodes. We've seen them all. It's been, uh, it's been fun, right? Let's, let's be real. I loved watching it and just getting the access to Jordan um, and, and seeing him and hearing his motivation. Because it's crazy. Uh, I believe it was Andrea Kramer was saying that, too. She was like, you know, there was no social media. That, that we, don't, we didn't know anything about Michael Jordan, the person. Uh, it's not like today where it's a 24-hour news cycle back in the 90s. It was just that you saw Jordan at the games maybe at the press conference, and that's it. You know what I mean? You weren't, you weren't seeing it much after that. So, I mean, it was fascinating to see that. But what was your favorite part, you think, of, of the last couple of episodes? Because the Rodman screwing off and going to wrestling to WCW <laughs> in the middle of the friggin' finals is crazy, right? Yeah. It, so I've had kind of a fun experience with this. I've watched all of these episodes with my wife, who is a sports fan but wasn't as big of a, a sports fan back then in the 90s and also was younger, so... Uh, she didn't really she she didn't really understand or or contextualize what what all was going on. So she was kind of experiencing all of this for the first time. And it's kind of like Game of Thrones, where I read the books before the shows came out, and I knew the Red Wedding episode was coming out. So I just kind of watched Jen that whole episode for you know for her reaction to what was gonna what was gonna be coming, and. Uh, and you know when she reacted the way that everybody reacted from the to the red wedding, it was you know it added a, an extra level of enjoyment for me, uh, sick and sick as it might be. But in this case, <laughs> I knew about the Rodman uh, wrestling thing, and and I knew that it happened like during the NBA finals. Um, I remember him running away from reporters. Uh, down the hallway in in uh, <laughs> coming out of practice, and so like as as we kind of reached that point, as they started focusing on Ronman, I started looking over at Jen like, all right, how's she gonna react? How's she gonna react? And it looked like a cartoon. Her her jaw just literally just drops like down on <laughs> down to the ground. He did that during a final series. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Bill Simmons doesn't think he's very interesting, but yeah, that was Dennis Rodman. And then, like the next thing she said was, "Good God, Carmen Electra still looks amazing." Oh yeah, she's she's gorgeous. I remember thinking that too. I'm like, this crazy bastard, Dennis Rodman, is pulling the most beautiful women, going to gamble, going to party, and coming on the basketball court and still whooping ass. You know what I mean? I mean that is yeah. that was friggin' friggin' impressive. I also love the um, I love the end of it. Like you know when they were talking about towards the end where. Um, Jerry Krause and, or pardon me, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf was talking about, oh, you know, we couldn't, those guys, we couldn't bring them back on one-year deals because um, they weren't going to be worth their value. Um, and I know that the 99 season was a lockout-shortened season, so it was kind of crazy, but the Spurs won. The Eastern Conference was a joke. I think that the Knicks were the eight seed. That was the year, right, that they made the final yeah. um, as an eight seed. So how do you think they would have done, the Bulls would have done, if they came back and played the 1998-99 um, season? Because to me, I'm like, who's who's gonna beat them? Like San Antonio, yeah, Tim Duncan was was kind of taking over the league at that point. But who do you think? Like, how do you think they would have stacked up in '99? Well, like you said, the East was a joke. So, I think they make it to the finals. That San Antonio team, that was the that was uh, the 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 Tim Duncan David Robinson team, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think they would have had some trouble up front with those guys. The Bulls were always kind of a smaller team. You know they had Luke Longley and and Bill Winnington or whatever. Uh, you know they they had guys who basically would you know later uh, when Shaq would reach his prime, uh, they would basically serve as six fouls against Shaq. Like that was the Bulls' front court. Yeah. And um, you know so I don't I don't know how they would have handled the the Duncan and Robinson combo. But you know it's still Michael. You know who guards Michael on the other end? Sean Elliott. 
you know, right, right. Now, I, I think the damage there was kind of done with Scotty. You know, Michael was saying at the end of the thing that, you know, if everybody's back, how could Scotty turn that down? Scotty had just finished the 90s making at most three million and some change, <laughs> you know, uh, for any given year throughout that time. So uh, his focus was going to be getting paid and for, you know, for right reasons. He, it was it was wild. They showed Scotty, you know, trying to play through that back. And I have I, I, I myself dealt with back spasms um, back in high school because I had a, a pretty major growth spurt in that time. And. You know, they showed Scotty running, and I told Jen, I was like, that, I know that run. His back is hurting. And it, yeah. it was the kind of thing that I didn't, I don't even remember. It, it's not like I remembered Scotty's back injury. It was, it was literally, nope, I know that run. His back hurts. And I'm watching all that, and, and he played that season for $2.7 million. 2.7. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous, right? So I think, I think Scotty was probably fed up with the Bulls at that point. Um, so that, you know, if they're able to bring everybody back, I give them a puncher's chance just because Michael, but, uh, but I'm not positive that Scotty actually comes back. Yeah. I, I he, the damage was done there, but I mean, it, it, that was on him too. I mean, that's like how, oh, yeah. how, not, how not to negotiate, right? I'll sign a seven year deal worth $18 million, even though we're going to win championship after championship, you know what I mean? Like right. that was on Scotty and he, he screwed that up. But I do think if Michael, if Michael came back and, and Phil came back and they, they wanted to do it one more time. I still think they win in 99, maybe not in 2000, because by the time the Lakers, you know, the Shaq was come dominating that year and, and, and Kobe was coming up. I, I don't think they they would have beat that 2000 team. But the 99 year. And again, it was interesting. I remember, I think the, the, during that season, there were some times where teams were playing like back to back to back night. They had to go three straight nights of game. So an interesting I would, you know, like a almost 40 year old Jordan would have been able to handle that, too. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, you. They, I, you could kind of play a drinking game to how often they were saying, Michael looks tired, Michael looks tired, Michael looks tired. And, uh, you know, they were talking, I think it was Jackie McMullen was talking after to Scott Van Pelt. And she was saying how, you know, she was kind of waxing poetic about how Michael didn't load manage. And she also pointed out that he was missing all of his shots short. And I'm like, that's why guys load manage. So that, yeah. so that you avoid that kind of a situation. Uh, I, I, that, that lockout year was really funky and to the point where, you know, Phil said that the Spurs should have an asterisk on that championship. I, I, I frankly agree, uh, just cause it's the Spurs, but, um, but how does, how does Michael handle that? And, and you saw all those guys breaking down Scotty's back, you, you know, Michael was, you know, he was probably playing at that point 54 holes instead of 72 on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how they handle all of that. But the the crime is that we'll, we'll never find out. That's yeah. the that's the crime. That's what sucks is that we, we don't know. Yeah. And that, that's what to me is going to be one of the what that's like one of the biggest what if questions, I think, in the in the NBA. Um, yeah. You know what? Like what would have happened if Jordan stays? Because. When he came back with the Wizards, I, I don't. I mean, I think that was more of a business decision than anything else, right? Because at the time he he had owned a, a percentage of the of the team, and obviously having him drives up your value. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's that's something that that I would have, I probably would look at and say that's probably one of the biggest what ifs in the NBA. And another one is if Shaq didn't leave Orlando, right? I always look at yeah. that time too. I mean, you know, we we saw that in the, in the last Sunday in the in the previous episodes of uh, when the Bulls basically smoked them in that in the Eastern Conference Finals in uh, in '96, but. 
Um, those, those are big what ifs. Are we going to talk about the fact that the pizza thing in Utah? Are we, are we going to discuss that too? What the hell well, was that about? <laughs> I'm just marveling at the fact that there was a pizza delivered to one of the most famous people ever. Not uh, not just of his time, not just in his industry, not just you know in in a certain time period or whatever. One of the most famous people in the history of fame and people got a pizza that, that apparently somebody at least one person had an iffy feeling about the pizza and uh i'm sure that the the company knew that they were uh delivering that pizza to michael they, they knew what was going on there uh and apparently michael takes down entire pizzas by himself uh, <laughs> the night before a game that's pretty wild that's healthy uh, look yeah. I, <laughs> I i i think i think here uh you know, it was called the flu game. It rolls off the tongue. It adds to the Michael mythology. In this case, they went to the uh, the food poisoning bit, you know, excuse. Um, as somebody who has had <laughs> food poisoning, you know, <laughs> quote, air quotes, heavy air quotes on the food poisoning uh, coming off of a, a wild weekend uh, <laughs> that featured late night pizza deliveries. <laughs> I think I think the hangover game is what we should probably start calling this thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because even with uh, with him, like that, Utah has always had this flake. I saw Vernon Maxwell tweet about something about Utah too. Like Utah, those fans were friggin' crazy back in the day. So I mean, I wouldn't put it past him that anybody did that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. That they they tainted his food and 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 they did that. But I mean, the the other thing that you have to look at too is um, with that whole thing is how the hell is Michael Jordan having a friggin' whole pizza the night before a game? Whereas you think LeBron James is doing that now? Because I was thinking that too. I go, watching Jordan and watching LeBron, like LeBron does a great job taking care of his body, right? I mean, he, he works out. Yeah. He's, he's, he's in phenomenal shape all the time. Um, you can see how he puts the work in. I'm not saying Jordan didn't put the work in, but the advances we've made in that regard over the last 20 years, I think Michael Jordan would have had. Like, and that's the, the, always the debate that, that people look at, like the different eras and stuff like that. Because I think if Michael is, is putting in that much effort into, into training and eating well and, and, and you know, taking proper care of himself, which the way athletes do now, um, and he's playing in today's league. And that, that's the thing that younger people, I mean, we're, we're a bit older, so we know that. But younger people who are complaining, I'm just glad they got to see what he's about because he... I think in this day and age would drop what thirty five a game, forty a game. Is that is that you think that's too much? Uh, probably too much. I, I think I think the teams are better nowadays. I look. I, I think there are d advantages and disadvantages to you know him kind of modernizing his game. Does he become a better shooter? Does he understand the value of the three point shot? Like it was funny they were they were you know during shoot around they were kind of messing around shooting deep three pointers and you saw all the guys were like heaving the ball from back there. That's like a layup for Steph, yeah. right? Like, yeah. those, like guys, guys in the league are all shooting from that range as if it's a free throw. So, you know, the, the, the league has kind of modernized. Now, Michael in modern spacing would be something to behold. Like him having, if they put the, the, a decent team around him in terms of, of shooters and understanding the geometry that goes into basketball, that, <laughs> I don't know how you defend that. Um, and, and, you know, but also you have smarter coaching, like it took, it took George Carl three games to realize he needed to put defensive player of the year, Gary Payton on Michael Jordan. Kevin Johnson was plan a, uh, in the series against, uh, Phoenix, right. When, when Jordan averaged 40 for a series, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course he averaged 40 against Kevin Johnson. He's like six one. He's <laughs> yeah, he, he's yeah. a point guard. <laughs> you can't you can't put him on him at, at Michael on, as plan A. So I think the the coaching being better, uh, the the overall talent being better, and and everybody being the kind of athlete that Michael was uh, nowadays, or or not everybody, but more people being the kind of athlete that Michael was back then. Uh, nowadays, I think that would affect it. You know, he'd be he'd be right up there with the league leaders in scoring. He'd probably average close to you know either thirty or maybe you know thirty and some change. But um, but I, I think the game has really evolved. And the athletes playing it have really evolved to the point where, you know, the, the, the physical gifts that Michael had might not stand out as much as they did back then. Yeah, and that's, and that's something I always, I always, you know, refer to as well when we talk about the, uh, the differences in, in the eras. It's like you look at, and you remember, you remember like, was it the first episode where, where Jordan's like, I came into the, you know, guys were doing cocaine and having cigarettes in the, in the locker room and hanging right. out and not taking care of themselves, where... Um, you know, you just look at the difference in in just what an athlete looks like now compared to what they look like, you know, yeah. 20 years. And I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking, you know, the guys like guys like Carl Malone, who are you could see is a freak, you know what I mean? And, and Scottie Pippen is, is well built and stuff. But like guys like Judd Bushler and Bill Wennington, and I would even say like Luke Longley to agree, you're not playing in the NBA now. You know what I mean? They're, they're not, there's no way they're going to have a, a, a regular contract in the league because they were just, they were just too slow and, and, and unathletic, right? Yeah, I mean they they look like engineers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't they didn't really look like professional players. They look like they look like, you know, my dad's a a, a, a electric engineer, and uh, <laughs> he looks like the kind of those players look like some of the guys that I would see in the hallway when he would take me to work with him on the weekends. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I mean that 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 aspect of the game, and and you know and again like the. The level of scouting that exists in the NBA nowadays and, and all of professional sports, right? You have things like synergy that you didn't have back then. Uh, you have, you know, the you have tape specialists that that, you know, you know, we've seen the success rate that some of these guys who started as tape managers have had as coaches. Right. So you have more of that. Um, you know, I, I just think in general, the game is so much smarter now than it was back then that I think, you know, some of the Michael, don't get me wrong, would be incredible. He would probably be, you know, the best, if not one of like the three best players in the NBA, if he was dropped on in on the league right now, uh, even at, you know, what whatever age he was at, at, at you know, in 96 or 97. Uh, but but the league has changed so much and, and sports in general have changed so much. There's so much more money going into it. So these guys do take it serious. Like, like one quote that really stood out to me over the course of this thing was Isaiah Thomas saying that we shouldn't award guys t- championships for lifting. Oh, what do you mean, Isaiah? Yeah. <laughs> you mean people shouldn't shouldn't condition? They should they should not prepare themselves for for uh, the the season to be or or keep themselves in peak shape over the course of the season? Like those, but you know nowadays you look at you know, Alex Caruso posts a picture on Instagram and, and the NBA drug tests them, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, these, these guys are all just insane athletes with crazy work ethics. Uh, and, and you know, I, I just think it'd be fascinating to watch how Michael handles that. I think he, he was obviously skilled enough to make the, the required adjustments. Uh, it's just a matter of how quickly he would do so. 
Would Michael Jordan tweet a lot if he was an athlete today? I was thinking this during the show. I'm like, no, he seems like one of those. He'll have like 8 million followers and like two tweets. No, do you, do you think he'd be a big social media whore or no? Uh, I don't see him tweeting a bunch, but I do see him bookmarking a lot of tweets. Oh, yeah. Like not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not liking the tweet because he doesn't want the person to know that they just said something that just pissed him off. Like he, he probably has an entire or just like an entire folder of screenshots of tweets uh, that he'll like look back on, you know, uh, maybe like Zach Levine would tweet out, oh, man, uh, that dunk that. Aaron Gordon had when he played against Michael in the Bulls that had to be so cool for him and and Michael might have dunked in that game and Michael might look at it and say wait but I, I dunked that's yeah. it I gotta kill Zach <laughs> Levine now <laughs> you know <laughs> no he is he is he is like let's we'll wrap up on this one but what was your biggest takeaway from this because like I said you know off the top of uh, when we started this episode for me the way like I, I we knew he was competitive and we had kind of heard stories about him and, and, you know, him being an asshole. I mean, the Steve Kerr thing we we've heard about from before and he got into it with Bill Cartwright. I, you know, I knew that, but just getting into his mindset, he took everything as a slight and you can tell it still fuels him almost today. I mean, he's, I don't know why he's cra crappy at owning a basketball team. Let's be honest, right? The Hornets stink. And some of the decisions he makes are, are not very good, but, and we saw that with Phil Jackson in, in New York with the Knicks, but what was your biggest takeaway from watching this? Was it, did it kind of stamp for you that he is the greatest of all time too? Ooh, that's a tough question. I, I, I do think he's still, you know, he's still the, the greatest of all time. I think, you know, there are players that have uh, more valid cases to that title than, uh, than, than I think we give them credit for. Like Kareem never really coming up as the greatest of all time is insane to me. Yeah. Uh, given everything that he accomplished. But, you know, I, I think my biggest takeaway here is actually it really struck me how coachable Michael was and how eloquently and how highly he spoke of Phil Jackson. You know, you have Michael has one of the biggest egos in the history of sports. Phil has an ego uh, to match, but you know, at the end of the day, you had this guy come in and preach these hippie values and light incense and practice and do all these wild things. And Michael still bought in Michael bought in, before they won that first championship. It's why they won that first championship. From then on, the success was the buy-in. But the fact that Michael, you know, allowed himself to be coached, allowed the triangle to exist and um, and and move himself a little bit more off the ball so that when he had the ball, he would be in better spots. Like that, that's really fascinating to me in an era where, you know, and, and look, I, I'm pro player empowerment. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I do think the amount of leverage that athletes have nowadays is overall a good thing. But uh, in an era where players are coaching or are, are choosing their coach and choosing what the team runs, you know, the superstar has all of this hold over the entire organization uh, to see Michael buy into such an at that point alien concept, especially to Michael. Uh, that that was really fascinating to me. And then to see over the course of that documentary how, you know, he even said that I think at the end he said something along the lines of like, didn't matter, matter who you were, how big you were, whatever. Phil Jackson got you to buy in. And and I think, you know, I, I, I do think there are some players in the league 
who could maybe learn from from Michael, allowing himself to be coached and allowing the roster around him and the strategy that he played in to be optimized for the team's benefit and for his benefit. Uh, I, I would like to see, you know, I, I would I would love it if if Anthony Davis and, and, and LeBron James stopped caring about Rajon Rondo minutes. Like, it'd be great. It yeah. would be fantastic if they just said if they just said, you know what, Frank, this is what the numbers say. This is what you guys say. Let's roll with Caruso. You know, um, that that kind of stuff was was really interesting to me, you know, on top of all the the nostalgia that we all got to enjoy over the last five weeks. Yeah, he, you know, again, and this is stuff we just don't know. Like, we, we know that LeBron's a good good teammate. You know what I mean? We know that he, he, you know, he makes sure that he puts in the work. We've seen his personality. We've seen him speak. Michael Jordan, I just, like like you mentioned, like, how he bought into the little things and the, and the Zen stuff that Phil was doing. Some players will be like, this is horse crap. I don't want to do this, right? right? Uh, whereas, he, you know, he took it all in and he trusted Phil completely. And I just think, I mean, to me, and it was, the other thing is Jerry Krause is, uh, you know, God rest his soul, but he's an idiot. Right. I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't like they, they, they shouldn't have had that much tension around the team. You know what I mean? For as great as they were, it's like, dude, you're winning. And that's the goal of, of putting together uh, a sports organization is to win. And when you're doing that, yes, you, you've done a good job of, of building that team. And, and Scotty Pippen says that I know they had their personal battle, but Pippen says it at the end of the final episode. You know, he was a, he was a great general manager. He's one of the greatest general managers. Um the, the way they built that team. But it, it's kind of funny because I was thinking this, too, while I was watching watching the, the documentary was. If you look at that Bulls team, like athletically speaking, compared to what the competition they'd be against today, like, I, yeah, like, like who, who are you going to roll with off the bench there? Like Dickie Simpkins? Like, you know what I mean? I don't, I just didn't see, I don't see the depth of that team, but it was, it was a weird thing to look at because they just had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen's great too, but they had those two guys and everybody else around them kind of bought into their roles, whether that was Steve Kerr, uh, Tony Kukoc was, was, was a very good player as well. So yeah, it was just cool to kind of get to see what, fueled and what motivated Michael Jordan and the best parts were him watching videos of other people talking and his reactions to that. Cause those are freaking great <laughs> yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. The meme, the meme, the meme, uh, capital that we got from this thing was just incredible. Like yeah. I loved him doing air quotes at the end of it. <laughs> yes. Byron, Brian Russell was a good defender. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I thought that was really good. It's like somebody walking out of a a job interview. They said I was unqualified, that <laughs> I need to learn how to speak to authority or that maybe I should have worn clothing. Like, it's just, it's really good. The, the, <laughs> the meat potential is great. Oh, it, it, it's been fun. I'm, I'm glad we had these, we had these last five weeks. So to keep us entertained and keep our minds off it, uh, we'll wrap up this episode, but what are we going to talk about next week? What soap operas? What are we going to do during the week here? Like <laughs> that we're going to keep our time occupied during the show. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some more updates. I think I think we're going to be starting getting to we're going to be getting closer to uh, at least a timeline on 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 when a decision might be made and how that decision might be looking. Um, and then also I'm rewatching Marvel movies. So let's <laughs> we can talk that. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll find something to talk about. We both like to talk enough crap anyway. So uh, we'll yeah. make sure we do that. Uh, this is a fun episode, Anthony. Thanks again for joining me. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. All right, that's Anthony Irwin. You can check him out on Twitter as well, at Anthony F. Irwin. And don't forget, subscribe to our podcast. We are the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Uh, anywhere you get your fix, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And, of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. That does it for this episode. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye.